Hello all, my name is Brittany and this is the Exposing Grief Podcast where I continue to remove that stigma of grief and expose it for what it truly is, which is that natural and healthy way of living and loving. I'll also be adding a little bit of a twist. So this podcast will expose the work behind honoring your grief journey, showing you the real hardships and the unbelievable beauty that grief can bring. I'm thrilled to have you here. So let's get to ending the grief stigma and beginning to build hope. Well, welcome back, my Exposing Grief listeners. I, of course, am sitting with another wonderful guest, and she is part of the December series, which we're talking about different modalities and approaches to addressing grief. And I'm hesitant to say healing, but, you know, a way to navigate it and talk about it. And Amanda has a very different way of navigating and processing that grief. So I'm excited for her to be sitting here. Amanda, I won't waste any more time. I'm going to turn it straight to you. Please share with our listeners of how you encounter grief and what your grief story is. Yes. Well, first, thank you for having me. Yeah, my name's Amanda Farad and I actually, my grief story started at seven years old, obviously probably before that, because you know, pets and pet loss, but like, I just remember going to my first funeral at seven years old and it was actually for a peer. And my family wanted to protect me and not have me go. But I had watched my grandparents, you know, go to like, no, that's the proper thing. Like if somebody dies, you go to your their funeral. That's how you, you know, it's a right. It's a ritual. It's what you do to pay your respects. And I was a pretty insistent child. So there was, as my mom likes to say, there's no telling me no. <laughs> and all I really remember is walking in, I believe, holding my mom's hand and seeing that child-sized coffin. And so that was kind of my first real impact of grief. And then, like I said, you know, I was a ranch kid in Montana. So I learned about the circle of life with pet loss or animal loss. Right. And got told, no, we don't name the baby calves because someday they're going to be on somebody's dinner plate. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Life and death, very young, um, growing up like I did. But again, had that first loss of a peer at seven. And then, you know, fast forward to adulthood. I moved away from home. I first I'm on the East coast and I hadn't even been there a year. I was a nanny for a family and my great grandmother died. And so it was like going to this job and saying, Hey, I've got to get home. And they were wonderful. They made it work. I came back. I was there for it. And Cause I was one of the great grandkids that was actually old enough to have really good memories of her. And, you know, I've spent the four, you know, first formative years of my childhood around her and of course I'd learned to play piano and go would go play piano for her and she was Italian and she loved you are my sunshine was her favorite song and we got she was Catholic but we got permission from the church to sing it at her service Mm -hmm. and that song still to this day like I've gotten better about not totally just bawling when I hear it but it definitely provokes some emotion and then shortly after that my mom's dad passed away. So again, it was okay. Got to come home. And then fast forward many years and I've gone back home to Montana. I've lived home in Montana for a while. And then it was time for me to embrace my nomadic venturing roots and ended up out here on the West coast and was building my life. And part of why I had gone back home to Montana from the East coast is my dad was battling cancer. He'd gotten diagnosed with multiple myeloma. So I came home to be with family. My grandparents were getting older I was missing my nephew growing up. 
but my family could tell that I was meant to be somewhere other than Montana. So moved out here to the West coast. And my dad was okay with that. Cause he's like, Oh, you know, you're not too far away. And he actually came out here and did get to visit me in Portland before he passed the summer of 2016 realized he was losing his battle with multiple myeloma and that we were probably going to lose him sooner than later. So I took a break from grad school, came home, spent the last two and a half weeks of his life with him and watched him deteriorate and start to fail and was there the last hour and a half of his life as he struggled to cross over and pass. And unfortunately it was not a peaceful passing. It was quite traumatic, quite difficult, but my mom, my brother and I all got to be there by his side. But that kicked off a 15 month span of just continual loss and grief for me. I literally ran out of fingers and toes. And after a loss was kind of wrapped up, so to speak, right? You've you've had the loss, you've been there to support them in death. They've had the loss, you've planned the funeral. And then I would come back home and jump right back into grad school. And so I lost my dad, then his dad, then a pet that had been an emotional support animal for 10 years. And then my grandma and in between their cousins and other relatives and a kid I had worked, you know, worked with in when I did school-based mental health. And I literally was just like, okay, I like, how does anybody cope with this much loss in 15 months time and go back to grad school where I was in school for social work. And so I was learning how to take care of everybody else but myself. Yet our focus for our advisory was self-care. Mm. And I was just like, it's not aligning because I'm supposed to be doing self-care, but there really isn't being space created to actually do the kind of self-care I really need. And while everybody's showing me a little bit of empathy and compassion for my grief, there isn't this permission or this space being created for my grief. and. If you stuff emotions, especially if you stuff grief away and you don't give it the space it needs, life implodes. And I learned that firsthand. Life imploded in a really big way for me. I dropped out of grad school, um, which now I'm very proud about because I've landed on a different path, which we'll get to. But, you know, that was really hard at first because I was like, well, this was a big part of my story. But the people that were most proud of me for going to grad school we're no longer here. They were no longer with me. They weren't going to get to watch me cross that stage. And so part of me was like, why bother? And this process, this institution isn't really allowing me to take care of me. And I'm instead having to learn how to take care of everybody else. And that's not really healthy. And I don't want to live like that for the rest of my life. Like if this is how it is in school, is it really any better once I'm a practitioner? So I, you know, Things got darker and harder before they got better. I got into, you know, at first I enjoyed my freedom from school and did some traveling and did some things. And then darkness set in and my anxiety and depression got so bad with my grief that I literally became mildly agoraphobic. And part of that was I never knew what was going to trigger my grief and how bad it was going to get. And it became too socially anxiety producing to go anywhere because we as a culture, as a society, aren't comfortable with grief and big, difficult emotions. And so if I'm in Target losing it because the overhead music triggered something or I saw something on a shelf that triggered my grief and I'm falling apart in the aisle at Target, people don't know what to do with that. They get really uncomfortable and they kind of like scooch around you and, you know, give you that wide berth of like, I'm going to go over this way because I don't know what that lady's problem is. 
Whereas really you're just like, oh my God, I need connection. Like I'm grieving this love that has nowhere to go anymore. And these people that I cared about so deeply, I'm sitting here alone in the target aisle, like having this breakdown and society's, you know, moving away from me. Right. Or we do the other thing where we quietly hand somebody a tissue without asking them if that's what they need, or if instead they need a hug. And I would love to challenge everybody in the world. If you see somebody crying, ask them what they need. Don't just hand them a tissue because subconsciously what you're telling them is I'm uncomfortable with your tears. Can you please stop? So that's my challenge for everybody today. But I even like, I found grief spaces. I found a grief group, but even in those spaces, my grief sometimes wasn't really given permission because there was a lot of widowers in that group and widows. And they were just like, well, you didn't lose a partner of 50 years. So your grief isn't valid. And I'm like, I lost my grandparents and my dad and friends and like, Grief is not a competition. Why are we making it a competition? Oh my gosh, preach. Your loss is just as valid as my loss. It doesn't matter what the relationship was. Again, it's love that now has nowhere to go. And you have all this love. Yes, that was your partner. You did everything all day, every day with them. But my dad was just as important to me. My grandparents were just as important to me. I even remember in one of the grief groups, like it had been my time to kind of talk. And I was talking Like I had lost my grandma while I was at a horrible, horrible job. And my grandma, my mom's mom, she was my person. She encouraged my creativity. She was just this beautiful, bright, vivacious soul who just really gave you space to be you. And if she had any kind of issues with you, like she would point it out in the most like loving, jestful way that never felt shameful or any of that. Whereas my other grandparents and my dad weren't always the best about that. I still love them, but definitely, you know, a little more verbal, emotional, abusive on that side. And so when I lost her and I was in this horrible, toxic job um, and I had to call and say, hey, my grandma died while I was home on vacation. I need to add three more days to my stay because, you know, only get three bereavement days in our lovely American society here. Unreal. Um, With most jobs, because three days are enough to have a funeral and grieve a loss. 100 percent. Yeah, Absolutely. There's nothing more that needs to be done. For those can't see me, I'm over here rolling my eyes. <laughs> if you can't sense the level of sarcasm, we don't get down with this three days of bereavement leave. That doesn't work for anybody. Right. You know, because I'm six years out from my dad's loss and it's still an impactful loss. I have learned now to like, there are days that I block off in my calendar because I know those are not going to be days where I'm going to be a good practitioner, a good friend, a good anything, because those are days I'm going to have to sit with my grief because my grief is going to be in charge on those days. But, you know, back to this toxic job and the loss of this person, right? And then had to basically, you know, apologize for needing those three days. It was such a horrible conversation. I will never forget. I was out on my grandma's deck on my cell phone, calling a supervisor And like, it was just this awful conversation. I just remember hanging up and just kind of exploding. And my cousin and my uncle were at the other end of the deck and they've never really seen that side of me and their faces. They were just like, Ooh, we're going to give Amanda some space. And I was just like, (laughs) it's such BS that I'm calling to ask for three days that I'm, you know, three days that are not enough anyways, but like to have to be given a hard time about needing those extra days because I just lost my grandma like two days after my birthday, by the way. Mm. I mean, it was just awful. You know, I'd spent my birthday sitting with her as she was dying and I had to shamefully ask for three more days to be with my family. It was so gross. That's awful. 
thankfully that job didn't last much longer after I returned because it was so hard to, I had to put my humanness aside to dive in and take care of these children and families that I worked with again in the mental health field. No, and that, that supervisor also preached self-care yet. There was actually no space to do it how I needed to do it. It was very micromanaged. Fast forward back to where I'm in my darkness after all these losses for all this time. And, you know, I reached out, I was, you know, resourced enough having been in school to be a therapist, to get some mental health support I got myself a dog because I was like, okay, I qualify for a service animal. I'm going to get myself a dog for my 40th birthday and train him myself because that's going to force me to get out of the house. And that was a double-edged sword because people just don't know how to, I picked up a service dog so you get way more attention than you're ready for, but it was getting me out of the house and I was, I had a companion again and I was going to therapy and things were, you know, I was seeing that light at the end of the tunnel, but really in there, I realized self-care was a huge component. And not just self-care as we see it today. I teach whole person self-care. So I had to like get my finances together, you know? Okay, Amanda, put things on auto pay, set up a budget, do what you've got to do there. You know, because it's easy to fall behind on bills when you're grieving. You don't think about that stuff. Oh yeah, I still have to pay the power bill. Oh yeah, rent still due. Occupational self-care. I knew I wasn't going to go back to a kind of a job again where somebody was going to make me feel bad for needing bereavement days and needing to grieve and be human. What did I need emotionally, spiritually, socially? You know, I had some friendships that weren't working because they weren't supportive. And so started to kind of put all the pieces together there and was starting to get back out into the world. And so I was ready to build a business and move forward. And I decided I was going to be a self-care and grief coach. And so I started to get back into the world and then the pandemic hit. So I went back inward and was like, okay, this is, everybody's showing up online. I don't know how to be an entrepreneur. I've had jobs my whole life and been bossed, right? Like now I need to go learn how to be the boss. And it was perfect. So I started following all these coaches and working with all these coaches, continuing on my personal healing and growth journey. And one of the coaches had on this woman, Jackie McDonald, to show what EFT tapping was. And I got on the call and I was following along. It was a Facebook live and I'm following along. And so Jackie's having us tap with her. And as I'm tapping, I just start bawling. I don't remember what we were tapping on. And I literally feel this energetic shift from my toes all the way up my body. And it was like somebody had lifted a boulder off my shoulders. And I could take a deeper breath than I had been able to take in a couple of years. Mm. And in that moment, I knew not only was EFT something I needed for my healing, because again, I had done EMDR, talk therapy, hypnotherapy, all these things and was working on all my own stuff. I've got more personal development, health, self-help, mental health books than most people probably, unless they're a psychiatrist, right? I was just like, I need this magic for myself. And I think this is what I'm meant to do in the world. Hmm. And I'm like, I really hope she's, you know, going to be teaching people how to do this. Sure enough, she was. I could not get her my credit card information and sign up fast enough. <laughs> And then like that insecurity snuck in, right? And I was like, oh, am I really going to do this? Like, am I ready to face whatever this brings up for me? Am I ready to be in this cohort with these other women and women and be vulnerable because we had to practice with each other and like learn this thing together? And so, yes, very vulnerable. And I, so it took me a while to get into it. And then I was like, oh my gosh, yes. And then I found out she had an advanced certification program Uh-oh. where we got to go even deeper. Look out. And, you know, I was grieving that I wasn't going to be a social worker, right? Like I wanted, there's something nice 
to some degree to have those letters behind your name, right? Because in this society, we like proof, right? We like to, we have to prove why we're worthy of somebody being in our expertise. I love that you're talking about different modalities and different approaches to grief because there are so many more. I just this weekend was at an energy healing event and there was so many different other practitioners there and there was different kinds of healers that came in. And it's just so beautiful to me that there are so many different ways to heal, to grow, to express and handle and deal with our emotions. And I love that we're having events like this one. It was our second time doing it. And it's just beautiful to be in that space with that people that have that same energy and that same vibe and know that we're out there trying to change the paradigm of this world where emotions are acceptable. Grief is natural and normal. Let's talk about these things that we've made shameful or uncomfortable And so I, yeah, I got my advanced EFT practitioner. All that took me about a year in that I realized, you know, I do value what I paid 50 some thousand dollars for, for grad school, for those few years I was in there. And I was like, the trauma brain buried it all. So let's find something to bring that back because it was valuable and expensive. So let's go get that back to, you know, usable. So I found a wellness counseling certification program through Cornell that was online. And so I signed up for that. And the professor was like, why are you even, she's like, you are blowing all your classmates out of the water. She's like, you know, your stuff. And I'm like, I just needed the refresher. Like I needed that back in my brain, but thank you for that validation. Like I'm meant to do this work and that's, and I get to do it my way. So that's awesome. And that's how I landed. I'm now an emotional wellness counselor and advanced EFT practitioner. And I still get to like learn different ways to pull things in. I'm surrounded you know, by crystals. So sometimes I pull crystals into what I'm doing. Sometimes I got a ton of Oracle and tarot decks. I've got, I'm, you know, learning how to do meditation and visualization. In fact, that was the modality that Jackie McDonald teaches. It's called the McDonald manifestation method. And so we learn how to do future visualization as well as go back and do past self work and all the other components of EFT. So I've got this beautiful way of kind of getting to do things. And it's really amazing with grief you can have joy and happiness in your grief and you can have just absolute despair and depression with grief. Yeah. There is no emotion that does not show up in grief. 100%. And that's partly, that's a big reason why I wanted to do this series to not only help people understand and normalize that there's more than one approach and there's more than one way to process grief, right? Like, and you're a great example of it. I've, I've done talk therapy. I've done hypnotherapy. I've done all these different things. And yet here I am still trying to find my way and process that grief. So normalizing that listeners, if you're in a spot where you're like, I haven't found anything that's helpful to process grief. That is okay. It just means you haven't found the right avenue for you. So that's partly why I wanted to do this series. And also you have some really powerful things within your own story of not only finding your own way to process the grief, but also kind of finding meaning within your grief journey of this is what I was meant to do is to offer this EFT and expand that and really get my certification and do all of this so I can serve people utilizing the thing that really served me. And listeners, we will, she does have a, um, a YouTube episode on my channel where she talks a little bit more about what EFT is and how she uses that and what working with her and that would look like. But Amanda, just for the listeners right now to kind of give them a little sneak peek, can you tell us what EFT tapping is um, and how it might benefit the grief journey and how it benefited yours? Right. So first of all, EFT stands for emotional freedom techniques. 
So it's based on kind of gaining that emotional freedom, but it is a magical combination of Eastern and Western practices that unlock a lot of potential for reworking our emotional states. So it's meant to kind of move us from an undesired emotional state to a more desired emotional state. EFT really allows us to honor the emotions that are showing up and we stay with the most intense emotion and move through it. And like one of the, the first phase of EFT is called venting. Like we really just vent and give those big emotions some space instead of trying to rush through or stuff them back down again or not fully like honor them. And I'm all about making friends with our emotions. They serve a purpose. They are there to tell us something, whether it's an unmet need or something else that's going on. And so what EFT does is by tap combining the somatic practice of tapping on the acupressure meridians uh, points on your body and calming the limbic system and the amygdala and that fight or flight and getting from par- from sympathetic to parasympathetic, calming all that down somatically and then bringing in the talk therapy piece of while tapping on those points, you're able to get in and a, you know move from primal brain through midbrain up to frontal lobe where you can make clear decisions, memories come forward, the subconscious basically gets unlocked and you're engaging your body and your brain and your heart and you're getting it all to kind of calm down and work together and know that you're safe and move through those emotions while honoring them at the same time. And it's especially powerful to use with grief and while grieving, because again, we never know what emotions are going to come up and it gives them space and it follows them. It's not a linear process. You don't do A, then B, then C. There is a structure for A, B, and C, but you follow the emotions where they go. And I'll talk more about that in the YouTube and show an example of that. But it is especially powerful if you've had trauma or if you're dealing with like anticipatory grief, right? And that just, and or compound grief or things where there's just a lot going on. Um, also, if you maybe had for me, like I loved my dad, I loved my grandpa and grandma on his side, but there was some unresolved like abuse and things there. And so I'm now on my own and I have to resolve these issues as my, you know, as on my own, because I'm working to break generational patterns of trauma and abuse, and I'm not going to just carry that on. So I'm left in my grief, reworking that. And I'm grieving the loss of who I was while rewriting my new chapters. And people also don't realize the identity that gets tied in or that comes up with grief. Oh my gosh. I was just, I was listening to a local radio station this morning and they talked about identity loss that comes with becoming a parent. So there's even Mm -hmm. identity loss attached to non-death losses. So yeah, you better believe that when you lose somebody who is a significant role and person in your life, 100% your identity is going to be shifted. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of EFT and how I practice it is not only do I go in and help people rework the emotions that they are struggling with is we go and we do that future visioning and the meditation and the things to see, okay, what do you want to be your new story? How do you want to rewrite this? How do you want to honor that person and yourself? Right. And especially in my, my world, my business is called value yourself counseling. So the work that I do is all about prioritizing and recentering yourself without guilt or shame, shedding those external expectations of the patriarchy loss, et cetera, and rewriting your narrative from an emboldened and empowered place where your inner badass is in charge and you are rewriting your story in a way that feels aligned and authentic and sincere and you're honoring your core values and your grief and all the emotions. 
I'm like getting chills as I'm talking about this because I'm, I'm reliving it. Right. Like I have cycles of birth and redeath and I'm in a new cycle of death and birth. And I just came from this really powerful, you know, energy healer event where I got some amazing readings and things done and had some powerful realizations in the work that I do. And like you said earlier, if you're not there yet, please don't give up. There is light at the end of the tunnel. I know that's so cliche, but there really is. You just haven't found the right thing or the right tool or the right practitioner yet. Yes. I'm going to emphasize that yet. Yet. There is always something else. Keep going. Yes. Even though I know it gets hard. I also grew up impacted by suicide. My uncle died by suicide before I was even born. I've lost friends to suicide as recently as three years ago. I am, and I'm an active member of the Telemet Community Suicide Prevention Coalition. Like, keep going. Yeah. Even yeah. when you are in your darkest, keep going because there is that yet. Yeah, you will find something, I promise. There, there's something out there for everybody. And I'm so excited. Listeners, please take advantage of checking out her YouTube episode because she goes a little bit more into depth about, she talked a little bit about what it is, but more in depth about what it is. She'll provide an example. She'll talk about what working with her looks like. So if this sounds anything interesting at all to you, please go check out her YouTube episode. I will put the link in the um, show notes so you guys have easy access to that. Um, Amanda, I thank you for your time and sharing your experience with grief, this permission to grieve. Oh my gosh, we could that could be a whole separate episode. But listeners, find that permission to grieve um, and normalize for yourself that, yeah, we aren't really given the permission to grieve in our society because right. it is taboo. It makes people very uncomfortable. Give yourself that space, that permission. Go check out Amanda's YouTube channel so you can learn more about what EFT is and how it might serve your grief process or not. That's okay. But hold on. You will find your process to walk through this grief. You will not, you will never not find it. I promise you. But I always like to tie up my episodes with this one last final question. If the listeners took nothing away from this episode today, which I hope they take everything, but if they only take this one thing, what are you hoping that the listeners are taking with them today? I think you said that you have permission to grieve. And know that that is not going to look the same for any two people. Even if you are experiencing the same loss, you know, my mom, my brother and I all experienced the loss. We were there with my dad as he passed. We all experienced it very, very differently. And that can shift some relationships that can change some things. Again, you might, it might bring more loss and grief, right? Because, but give yourself permission to grieve as you need. If that means, you know, that you need, uh, you know, holidays might look differently. Birthdays might look differently. How you operate in the world might look differently. And that's okay. Make grief your own and give yourself that grace, compassion, and permission to grieve as you need. Yes, that is beautiful. Beautifully said. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Listeners, take what you need. Leave what you don't. And whatever's coming up for you right now, don't judge it. Just let it be there. This EFT thing is so important because I talk to clients a lot about sometimes one of the most powerful and impactful and biggest areas of growth that we can have is sitting with our emotion, which is really uncomfortable. So if you resonate with that and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't sit with my emotion, go check out our YouTube episode because she's going to talk to you about it and you might find that EFT tapping is for you. Thank you, Amanda, again for your time. I really appreciate it. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. 
Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Exposing Grief. I want you to know that you are playing an important part in removing that stigma of grief and in turn creating a world where expression of love for our living and deceased loved ones is acceptable and welcomed. For that, I am forever grateful to you. If you resonated with this episode today, please share it with someone you believe would benefit or I welcome any and all reviews so it's easier for others who need this hope in their life to find me. Here's to honoring your grief journey and empowering others to do the same. Until next time.